Hi there, it's Caroline Foran from Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please do follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. The sooner we all get on board with these measures, the sooner we will be all together again. While you're staying at home, here's a recommendation for another great podcast for you to listen to. I think we need a bit of comic relief more than ever, so why not try the Two Johnnies podcast, available on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, joined by our football editor, Mark Douglas. Mark, Newcastle into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. If someone had said this would be the case at the start of the season, A, we would have taken it, but B, would you have believed it? Well, if they'd have drawn the teams that they've drawn, yeah. You know, I mean, th- th- there's been an element of, of fortune in, in the draw. I think they've had a really, really uh, generous draw so far, which probably makes up for all the difficult draws they've had in the past. Um, I-, I thought, you know, they- it felt like they were due They were due a, a-, a-, a run, but you've got to give credit to Steve Bruce for doing what he said he would do, which is picking virtually the strongest team that is available to him in every game. And there's been five games so far in this competition. And, you know, in some of those games, uh, in particular this this week as well, they've been between two difficult or really crucial fixtures. Um, and he still picked just about the strongest team he could. I mean, he's only dropped... Uh, he dropped Gale and Shelby. Uh, Dubravka is the, the only one I would say you could argue is stronger than the man that, um, uh, you know, the man that he, he replaced, he, he's not quite as strong as. So you have to give Newcastle credit for that. They have stuck to the word of playing the strongest team. Um, and, you know, it's it's a. I don't think I would have necessarily thought it because, um, you know, they, they, they just got such a bad, bad cut, cut record. But yeah, I certainly would have taken it. And, you know, the draw tonight and you'd have to say, given the teams that are left in it, it's going to be a big ask to to get all the way. But you never know. They're in, the, they're in it to win it. We'll get on to the draw in a moment, but let's talk about those that came in. We'll start with Carl Darlow, very capable keeper. Um, one good save off Charlie Austin in the first half. But during the second half showed maybe why he's not in Castles number one. Looked a bit nervous at times. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Darlow, isn't it? Because obviously he played the first half of the season um, that Newcastle were, were, were in the Premier League. And Benitez, you know, he was playing well. I remember a game against Stoke where he pulled off you know, three or four absolutely fantastic saves. But there was always a feeling by Benitez that he, he wanted to upgrade. And I think Darlow probably, it's it's sometimes aerially, I think he's 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 not always the strongest he doesn't have the same presence, I think, that Dubravka has, and maybe his distribution isn't isn't anywhere near as good as Dubravka's. Hey, look, Dubravka is a top class goalkeeper, so it's it, it, comparing anybody to him is going to be difficult. But I think look, Darlow is an absolutely fantastic backup goalkeeper for Newcastle to have, and personally, I would be surprised if he doesn't want at some point in his career to move and play first team football because there'd be loads of teams that would take him I mean there was quite a lot of interest in the champion, from championship teams in him in the summer he's a brilliant shot stopper um, but he is a little bit of a wrong down from Dubravka and I think maybe we've been spoiled a little bit with Dubravka but yeah I'm not sure you know it sounds harsh but I'm just not sure if he's quite at that level whereas a Premier League number one 
he's going to do what Dubravka does, which is save you games. Um, so, you know, yeah, but I think he'll, it'll be really interesting to see if they keep going on in this run, whether he, whether he sticks with him or goes back to Dubravka, because, you know, the longer and longer you get, let's say they got into a semi-final, you're going to pick your strongest team, aren't you? You are going to pick your strongest team because you have a week to go into it. And blimey, that would be absolutely, absolutely huge. But they're only 90 minutes away from it. Why do you think he isn't playing Dubravka? Is it just solely to give Darlow a bit of game time? Well, Dubravka, uh, you know, I think Darlow's doing really well in training. From from what from from what I'm hearing from from people at the club is that Dubravka, uh, sorry, Darlow is is training really well. He's pushing Dubravka really hard, and I think that's maybe one of the reasons why Dubravka performances are so good is because there's a good crop of goalkeepers there. I mean, let's not forget Rob Elliott's not a bad goalkeeper either. I know he's 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 fallen down the pecking order to third. Um, and they've got a lad out on loan in Freddie Woodman, who apparently is playing really, really well. I've not seen too much of him in that in that division, but all the reports that you hear are that he's absolutely flying for for Swansea. So um, I think it's just a case that that you know if Darlow, if he felt that Darlow was um, not performing or not you know not not doing what he needed to do in training, then I don't think he would be playing because he didn't play in the first game at Rochdale, did he? There was um, I think it was uh, Dubravka who played in one of those games. I'm pretty sure. So. For me, it, it it does make sense to to keep playing him. You've got to keep him motivated, so it makes sense to play him in that kind of game. But it would be really interesting if they got to a semi final, whether he would play Dubravka or not, because potentially Dubravka is a match winner, isn't it? We've seen, you know, against Manchester United in his first game and in other games, he, he has been a match winner. Lazaro, he grabbed a goal, tap in, but it needs it needed to be there. Yeah. And he needs to put it in the back of the net, um, and he really impressed a lot of people. And just looking at the stats here. He had a 93-pass success rate, which is fantastic. 27 out of 29 passes completed. Um, and he just looked um, like he was in more in his natural position going forward, a more attacking role than mm. the wing-back role we saw him against Arsenal. Um, and to use one of Steve Bruce's favourite quotes, it's going to give him some food for thought. Yeah, I think I think it's funny because Lazaro is probably one of the few players, although he got sent off, he actually did okay against Palace. Um, and he was... I think it was weird in the Arsenal game. It took him about forty, I think, forty-five minutes. He was, you know, you're wondering what have Newcastle got here, and then he, then he, I thought he was much better. So he was good in the first half, and then he, he sort of fell away in the second half, didn't he? A little bit in that game, um, but he was really good last night. I mean, you know, excellent. Spoke really well after the game as well. I thought he was, he, he was really, really good, um, and he just he looked, he had pace. He was prepared to take players on, and I think Newcastle, what they've all, what they always intended to do at the start of the season was play a front four or front five that had pace that was going to get them on the front foot and start attacking teams. Now, obviously they haven't done that because they've they got a couple of spankings at the start of the season when they tried to play that way. So Bruce went back to the, the, the system that he had. Now, has he has he um, stumbled on something? I mean, we spoke on Saturday and I was very downbeat. You were much more upbeat. Um, maybe it turns out that you were right and they did that That was actually, they turned the corner on Saturday. I The jury's out for me because that wasn't West Brom's strongest team. Um, it was the, a much changed West Brom team. Let's not sort of declare this and you know a, a turn in the corner moment. But having said that, the signs were much better last night. You know, you could maybe make an argument on Saturday that they were better. I think you could definitely make an argument that they were better. It still wasn't at the level I wanted it to be at, um, and probably Steve Bruce didn't want it to be at. But if Lazaro's in there and they've got three or four players who've got a bit of attacking presence. And, and they start to score a few goals, then that will be the change that they needed. And again, you know, having really criticised him in the last six or seven weeks, I think a, a lot of people, and myself included, you know, for, for the way that they were playing, 
if they can turn it around, if the formation change does turn things around, then you'd have to give Steve Bruce some credit as well. Um, because last night they looked like a different team from the one that you know really struggled against Oxford in the um, fourth in the fourth round. Certainly did, and um, there was a play against Oxford back in. You got Sean Longstaff, you know, Bentelab, Alan St Maximum as well. Yeah. Um, them three all started yesterday. What did you make of their performances? So Maximum was outstanding. Um, really interesting subplot, obviously, with the uh, reports in the morning and, and Steve Bruce sort of taking exception afterwards as well. Quite an interesting subplot and, and, in, and interesting, I think, that St Maximum played, did really well. I mean, he is, you know, the problem is St Maximum has built a kind of image for himself, hasn't he, a little bit through his Twitter account and all that. And I think Newcastle fans maybe haven't got to know the real St Maximum yet, which is that he is a little bit off the cuff. He's a little bit, you know, I've lost count of the amount of times in games I've thought he's injured, he's going off, he looks like he's done. But that's a little bit about the way that he plays. He's a little bit on the edges and he's a little bit off the cuff. Um, and not all managers like playing with players like that because they don't give them a, a guaranteed end product. But last night he was absolutely terrific, got on the ball well. I think he set the tone for Newcastle with his that shot which hit the post there's no other player in the Newcastle squad that would do that. There's not many in the Premier League bottom half that would do that either. So I thought he was really, really good. And and, and the, I always felt the key to Newcastle staying up with something to spare is St Maximum being fit. Um, ben Taleb, he was better. I thought he was better. Um, it, you know, he's really flattered to deceive since coming in for me. But I thought he was good last night. Had some good touches. Longstaff, uh, you know, it's just been... A strange season for Sean Longstaff, hasn't it? Because I think he's, you know, it's been a little bit positional, a little bit, you know, the players around him aren't maybe, you know, when he was playing really well last season, it was him and Hayden and, and they knew the the role. It was very much a Benitez prescribed role. You do this, you do that. He's been asked to do a little bit more for himself this season. Um, there are times, I think, when he's not maybe suited in the system and the players around him aren't necessarily teeing off him really good but I still believe he's a really good player and I, and I honestly think that he is going to be a top player and I don't want Newcastle fans to to sort of get too much on his back because it's not been an easy season you know he, he, but this idea that oh last season was a fluke and he's an ordinary player I just don't agree with I think he's a really really good player um, and it'll take a bit of time he's, there's a lot of things going on off the field with Sean Longstaff, I think, in terms of the contract and him and his brother. And I don't I don't I think that that is unsettling. It must be unsettling. He's coming back from a really serious injury at the end of last season as well. Um so let, let's show a bit of patience with him. He's one of you know, what do we say he's one of our own? You know, obviously I'm not a Newcastle fan, but he is one of Newcastle's own. Let's give him a chance. But he wasn't brilliant last night. But I think he will be eventually brilliant for Newcastle. Because looking ahead for the Southampton game and the games to come after that, bearing of everyone in mind that everyone's fit, Steve Bruce has got options in the centre of midfield. I didn't see anything last night which suggested to me that it should be Bentelab and Longstaff or even one of them, mm. uh, no partner in Hayden or partner in Shelby. My choice would be Shelby and Hayden. Did you see anything um, from, from Bentelab and Longstaff which... Would make you choose them ahead of them? No, I, I think based on how I mean, I know Hayden wasn't brilliant on Saturday, but Shelby was was, was good. And, and, for, and ironically, Shelby came on last night, and he, he you know the things started to fall apart a little bit when he came on. Ironically, because you know he, he, I, th I think it was just the, the, the momentum of the game was gone. It wasn't the right substitution necessarily, but I could see why they did it. But but Shelby, you know, I think there was one point where he booted the ball, wasn't there? And I just thought, oh, like, just you know, you're an experienced player, just put your foot on the ball. 
No, I would go with Shelby and Hayden on Saturday because I think they did they did well on uh, uh, last week in relative terms. Shelby was was good. Shelby was really good for the first forty five. Tried to get on the ball. Tried to get Gail playing as well. Um, but if he doesn't play Gail, who you know, and there is a chance that he might not because last night things went well, then maybe you could argue that. It, it, you know, you could you could argue that somebody is in there, but I would go Hayden and Shelby based on it's a good combination because Hayden does maybe a bit of the the dirty work um, and Shelby gets a little bit more chance to play with a bit of freedom. I think they'll go with the same system that they played on um, against Norwich at Southampton. So you would think, okay, maybe Gale won't start up front. It might be the same formation, the same front three that we had yesterday. But if um, if they do that, then uh, then I would I would go Hayden and Shelby. One of the questions we have from our listeners is about Matty Longstaff because there's a bit of a debate about which Longstaff is the better player and they're both good players and it's a healthy debate to have. Um, but obviously with his contract, Matty's contract up in the summer, um, what's happening there? You know, Steve Bruce... Well, at the moment, at the moment, he there's no... It doesn't appear that there's much there's much happening really behind the scenes. He, he, he's, he's got a contract offer. I think or he's got offers elsewhere they've had talks he's had an offer they will return to it I'm sure but it doesn't feel like at the moment they're particularly close to that one happening it it seems that at the moment it, you know there's there's very much a case of he's asked for something the club don't believe at the moment that he's, he's necessarily they, they've structured it a different way and there's no common ground there at the moment and and that that is worrying in itself now they will think that they're going to come back to the table at some point, but it's not. There's nothing in the book. There's nothing. There's nothing you know due, due for them to do that at the moment. The longer it goes on, the more I am worried that he will that he will walk away. Um, you'd hope not, and I've always felt that like his desire to stay, ironically, which is maybe something that Newcastle have picked up on, um, will keep him at Newcastle at the end. But we've been here before, haven't we? Rafa last season. You know they will let they will let somebody go if they don't think they've got the value. But I just can't believe that you would let Longstaff go. The, the calibre of the teams that are looking at him tell you what a good player he is. Um, and he's been excellent this season. They, they've got to keep him. And Lee Ryder wrote over the weekend that an unnamed European club have, have made their kind of first move. Um, playing devil's advocate, though, just stopping with Matty for a moment, he did kind of come out of nowhere. Now, if you watched in the 23s over the past few years, yes, his name has been mentioned. But in terms of breaking into that first team, it's not like it's... It wasn't like it was coming in many ways. Mm. Um, does that hold any bearing when it comes to contract talks? Think, or do you I think th- he's proved himself, given what he wants? Kind I of think, thing. I think what what will be happening is that, that there'll be a very much a belief that look, you've. I mean, I think at the moment it sounds like there's a, it's an incentivized offer for for Matty Longstaff, so you know, decent basic salary, but but a lot more based on achieve, achievements, and that might be a response to the idea that you could give a young player too much too too soon and they might lose a bit of focus which has happened at Newcastle in the past with other players Sammy Amiobi I remember getting a very good contract from Newcastle and he just never kicked on from there you know and, and, and actually you know he's, he's he's doing okay now at Forest but never ever looked like the player that he we, we hoped he could be so maybe there's a bit of that but I think what happens sometimes with academy players is that when they they come through they're never as well valued as players that come in from the players you bring in, you know, it's always the case that they, they're, they're worse, they're not as well paid as other players in the squad. And I think that's what's maybe happening a little bit with Matty. Um, it, you know, you've, you've got to think, you've got to compare him to other players his age. And he's played 
decent number of games. I think he's played well in enough games to say that, look, and he's played for England in the 20s as well this season. You know, he's there's a massive potential there. And you have to protect that asset whether you whether you know you think he's whether you think he's arrived or not. Um is this not what Newcastle want to be? A team that brings through its own, that um you know, has a good academy that brings young players through. So I don't know the exact figures that we're talking about. And that is that sometimes is the is the sticking point. And he's got ambitious agents who um are clearly not gonna let him be undersold and they know his value in the market and Clearly, you know they, they're using this interest from elsewhere to show to Newcastle. Look, there's there's the um, there's the contract offer, but he'll get games at Newcastle, so he's got to think he's got to think that way as well. Um, I mean, I just don't. I just think it's inconceivable that they wouldn't have, they wouldn't be able to find an agreement with him because he wants to stay in an ideal world. They want to keep him. Um, you know, they've paid some ridiculous money to much worse players. I just can't believe that he wouldn't stay. But it's not at the moment looking particularly good. So that's Matty. Um, just while we're on the, the subject of contracts, I think of last week, um, Fernandez, it was understood, hasn't yet had yeah. a discussion about his future. You've got Manquillo. Manquillo as well, um, yeah. You've got a few others as well. And time isn't really on Newcastle's side. Yeah, no. we, we know the Premier League's the focus, getting safety sorted. But, you know, they, they can go out and talk to their clubs. And Fernandez is, is coming and there's a lot of options to centre-back but he's proved himself and yes, he's over that 30 mm. uh, year mark that the club really don't tend to, to like. Well, but and, the experience... But, and they've it? given... They've got... I mean, we understand, don't we, that the, the, the deals with Richie and Shelby are pretty much done uh, and just waiting to be kind of rubber-stamped and announced, but they've been agreed. So, you know, there's no argument really on the age thing for Fernandez. He's, he's been excellent this season. There's an option to trigger a... Um, Another year for Fernandez. I would take it personally. I would. I would take it 100 with him. Manquillo has been excellent this season. You could argue maybe that he is motivated by that that idea of having an extra extra year's contract. I think the the problem for Newcastle is that they that they believe. So there's a fundamental um, philosophical belief in Newcastle United. And this is one of the reasons why Rafa Benitez is not at the football club anymore. It's because they think that they've got a squad of too many players at around the same level, which was, a, I think, a deliberate thing that Rafa Benitez did as part of building a squad so that you would never be too unduly weakened by a player getting injured. You know, that was a, it was like the weakest link theory in some ways. You're only as strong as the strong as the strongest weakest link that you've got, if you will. So if, say, you lose... You know, when when before Rafa came in, Newcastle had a quite a stronger first eleven, first twelve. But as soon as they got injuries, the players that were coming in weren't as good, were nowhere near as good. Whereas Benitez changed that, and they suddenly had a squad of twenty five, which they've still got a little bit. Now, he wanted to keep recruiting along those lines a little bit, and he wanted to spread his budget to bring in five or six players every uh, every year. Now. The way that they see it now, the way that Lee Charnley believes that it should happen, and I'm assuming this is the way that Steve Bruce has signed up for, is bringing two players with the amount of money that you've got, or two or three players with the amount of money they've got, that are that are will significantly take up the level of your team. So the question is then, where it comes back to contracts, is you've got a few players going out on contract this summer, even more next summer, and then even more the summer after. So at some point you're going to have to let some of those players go. You're going to have to make a decision on those players. They might be useful players, but can you go out and get better? Have you got players underneath it 
who you know can do it can do a job so i would think that that's past possibly maintaining uh, you know one of the things that's driving a lot of these contract decisions is they'll, be, they'll have sat down with with the manager with the head coach sorry and made those and made those calls with steve nixon as well now for me and this is where the jury's out a little bit is are those three people who've Nixon's made some calls that are um, you know haven't necessarily worked. Bruce, you know, I think he's done a good job actually this season, but things are starting to come apart a little bit in some ways. Lee Charnley, well, it's been a checkered however many years that he's had there as well. It's been up there's been ups and downs there. So are those the three people who were the right people to do it, or do you or would it have been Rafa? Well, that was the big question this summer, wasn't it? But those that's the reason that decision is being I think that's the reason those decisions are being delayed a little bit is because um, they're looking around looking at options and they're going to have to let some of them go I think if they're going to bring players in because they've got the squad's too big really in that in that sense isn't it they've already had to put four players I think um, you know who are just on out of the squad so they need to get rid of some of them they either need to sell or free up some of that space so I'd be surprised if Manquillo gets a new contract um, Fernandez not looking great and they've got a lot of centre-backs who do you get rid of there um, but obviously you know I, I think probably both of them have done enough in terms of performances to justify a deal but it's whether Newcastle think they can move things forward we hope you've enjoyed this episode so far just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes Spotify or whichever podcast provider you listen through you mentioned Steve Nixon there one of the decisions that he did make was on Joe Linson um, he had a good game last night. He showed a bit more yeah. desire and determination um, than we've maybe seen previously. I think there was a moment in the second half where he chased down a dead ball, he, 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 a sudden sprint, won it, and the crowd seemed to really appreciate mm-hmm. that. And we know that, as Steve was pointing out, he's not that natural goal scorer. So you've got to do that. You've got to show the effort and that bit more um, than maybe others do. And I think the fans appreciate that last night. He was much better last night, yeah. And I thought there were um, defensive headers as well in the second half. There were a lot of times where the ball was coming in, um, you know, corners coming in, free kicks coming in, and he was getting his head on it. Um, it you know, it's whether we divorce the idea that he's a £40 million striker from his performances. You know, can you judge his performances against the level that he's been at and the level that other players are at or do you judge him as a £40 million striker because if you say he's a £40 million striker and he plays as he did last night where was the threat I think there was a little bit more threat actually last night um, but it was definitely an encouraging performance last night his performances in the cup have been okay you know he's playing against lower league teams so you you, you know you, you have to you know, hold yourself back from getting too carried away but Look, you, you can't knock him for what for, for his performance last night. I know there are some people who who will knock him because he didn't look as if he was doing enough in the penalty area. But I thought he was good last night, and um, like you said, some nice touches, real effort, real endeavour there as well. Let's hope that again that's a bit of a step forward where he can maybe yeah, move on and, and kick it. And of course, you know, we've, we've said about Jalinton, he's not played well, but the last two games have been the first two where they've maybe tried to get players forward in support of him. So maybe you'll play better with that. Fingers crossed. And one man who's benefited from this position change, um, I was quite positive about it on Saturday, um, is Miguel Almiron. We saw it again last night. He just looks more comfortable. He's playing with a bit more freedom. He's got a bit more direction. He just looks happier in that number 10 role, getting on the ball a bit more and having the ability just to run at defenders. And, it, yeah. and, it's, and it's working. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with the thing with Almiron has always been that he's, you know, he's, he'll just run all day for you, and it doesn't matter what position you put him in, he'll do that. Um, but it's it's where you know running. I think running from deep, Newcastle got a lot of players who prefer to get on the ball where in those areas that Almiron's playing. That they've got a lot of those players. They haven't got enough players who want to be in the box and score goals. Maybe Andy Carroll's the only one that you would say would be would would be more comfortable in either box um, than than uh, than he is. But they've got a lot of players who want to play in that deep role. But Almiron's probably the best, you know. Um, and ironically, I seem to remember when he signed, everybody was saying it was the end of Iosi Perez because everybody assumed that that's, that's where he played because that's where we played for, for Atlanta. Um, so it's good to see him get a, get an opportunity in that role. Of course, there hasn't been a number 10 in the system that, that Steve Bruce has played before. But I, I do think, you know, that, that he looks he looks more comfortable in that position. It's when they play the more, um, you know, the, 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 the sort of bigger teams who might put new, try and put Newcastle on the back foot a little bit more, that, that it'll be interesting to see whether that still works. Because, um, you know, I, I dread to think what would have happened if they'd have played the way they did last night against Arsenal, if they played in a similar way. Um, so we have to see whether that, that still works. But I think they'll go to Southampton and play the same way. And they'll try and put Southampton on the back foot a little bit. And, um, and I think a lot of people will be happier with that than they were at Crystal Palace, where it looked like Newcastle didn't even really, didn't even really try. Stephy Cup draw is tonight. That's Wednesday evening. Um, who are you after them? Well, I'll just run through the list of teams in the hat or who may still be in the hat come 10 to 10, to 10 is it? It's 10 quite, to 10, yeah. Quite a later yeah, one. Yeah. Um, so you've got Chef Wednesday, All Man City. Um, you've got Arsenal. You've got Newcastle. Obviously, you've got Chef United. Leicester City or Burnham City. Chelsea, Derby County or Man United or Tottenham or Norwich um, are the teams who stands out as is the, the team you'd like Newcastle to get well I mean firstly it, it, that's typical Newcastle United that they've managed although they've had a very very generous draw they've managed to, to be into the last eight in the one year where virtually every single of the I mean that's all the top eight pretty much isn't but, it but and someone Far mentioned this before a point against Manchester City oh, yeah, in the yeah. league you know, they've good, beaten Sheffield United, yeah. they've beaten Manchester United, they've beaten Spurs, they've beaten Chelsea. Decent against Arsenal in stages in both yeah. games. Um, you know, so nothing to fear. Well, I mean, there, there, there isn't. No, I mean, I think if they have any team at home, that's going to be a, a heck of an occasion, isn't it? Because you'll have a, a really, you know, everybody will want to be at that game. There's no doubt about that. And, and I think any team at home, They'll fancy they'll fancy their chances because they've beaten a lot of those teams at home. The one the one that worries me is, is Man City because they're you know they're probably the strongest team left in it and they will pass anybody off the park. And although Newcastle played well in that game, Man City had an off day. Um, they generally Man City are stronger down the back straight. So Man City, I'm not I'm not overly um, you know keen to keen to draw. And all of the teams, you know, the problem is Newcastle haven't been strong away from home. So if they get an away draw. Um, against some of those top teams, they're going to be they're going to be you know pretty you know distant second favourites for that for that game. But again, at home, I, I genuinely think they could beat any of those teams in, in in the draw. I mean, they have beaten those they have beaten pretty much all of those teams apart from Man City and uh, and Arsenal. So yeah, I mean possibilities there. And I think actually Newcastle are stronger against. Some of those teams than than uh, you know than maybe would be stronger against some of those teams than than they would be against some you know your Everton's and the teams like that who who have outplayed them. 
Leicester, of course, are the other ones that you'd be slightly worried about. Because Leicester put eight, run eight goals past Newcastle in the league, beat them in the League Cup as well. But Leicester aren't in great form. Leicester, Newcastle have had the misfortune of playing Leicester in, on the two patches of the season where they've been looking really strong. They can't buy a win at the moment. So you'd hope that maybe that, that runs on. Again, Arsenal, I wouldn't be overly keen to play Arsenal because they're running into decent form. Man City are in good form. Chelsea are very up and down. Spurs, very up and down. Man United are in better form now, aren't they? Because Fernandes has sort of come in and, and steadied them a little bit. But on their day, they, they you know they can be beaten. So it's 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 nice to be able to talk about it. But I, I really, of course, there are teams to fear. You can't really say there's nobody to fear because they're all good sides, aren't they? They're all really good sides. Um, but as long as it's not Man City away, or maybe even Arsenal. I think Man City or Arsenal away, I'd be a bit like, that's going to be tough. All the others you just have to say Newcastle have got a chance there um, and we'll just look forward to it it's going to be fantastic of course it means the Villa game's being rescheduled as which, well which could I mean that could be a big game in weeks to Massive, come because well, they might it? reschedule that one into the middle of, middle to end of April um, and then you, they might need the points because mm. let's not forget although we're talking positively here relegation is um, you know that, that's down to five points isn't it Um a national newspaper has done a simulation of the draw tonight and Newcastle have drawn Sheffield United at home. Um, I'm going to say they've gone for excitement here because uh, Man City draw Arsenal and Man United draw Spurs, depending on them winning their ties tonight. But you take Sheffield United at home? You would definitely take... Well, Sheffield United at home, you would take, but you wouldn't be able to underestimate them because they've been they've been so good this mm. season. Of course, we'll um, see them in a couple of weeks as well. Yes, well, exactly. Yeah, they could play in two weeks in, in a row. Two weeks in a row, couldn't they? Yeah, we have it. Um, I think Newcastle are, I'm not mistaken, number four tonight in the draw. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Be, it's, it's just nice to be able to be in that in that hat, isn't it? And I think the whole of Newcastle, the whole of Tyneside will be, you know, getting a bit nervous around sort of half nine tonight, and there'll be a yeah, there'll be a surge of sort of uh, there'll be a surge of excitement, I think, around that. So it's nice to be there. It's the first time in my time covering the club here. The Newcastle have got this far. They've 15 never years. I mean, 15 years is, is Which, ridiculous. if I'm not mistaken, and Lee might correct me here, I think he's been here 16 years yeah. or so. Yeah. So he's, he's really in them. Well, that's, it, that's how bad it is. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? It's absolutely incredible. But they were waiting to get a draw as good as this. They've had some... They haven't taken the cup seriously enough in, in Ash, the Ashley era. There's been certain seasons where they actively have felt sometimes like they're self-sabotaging because the, the teams they've put the teams they've put out Alan Pardew putting a team out at um, uh, Stevenage that was, that was a disgrace Chris Hewton some of his the team that he put out at Brighton one year I mean they, they literally I think were trying to throw you know they didn't want to be in those games I don't think they didn't want to be like West Brom last night I guess well West Brom to be fair to them they, they it wasn't like kids they were playing I mean Sometimes Hewton was playing kids. It just wasn't, you know. There's two seasons where they came up, um, and, and Rafa's teams. Let's be honest, you know. Look, we loved Rafa, but that team that he put out against Oxford was, you know, farcical, really, in the fourth round. Um, so, but then they were waiting for a good draw, and they got a good draw that year. And ironically, with, with when Benitez was there, but but didn't play a good team. This year, they've had a perfect draw, really, in terms of uh, in terms of the teams they've played. Let's hope the luck continues. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. 
a baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, fingers crossed Mike Ashley was there taking the game. He seems to have been swept along by this this cup fever. It's, I mean, what, what's your view on that? Is um, he? Why is he going to these cup games and taking think, them all in? I think, you know, let's not let's not sort of beat around the bush. I think he, you know he, he is. He does want to. He, there's that element of him that wants to be. Still wants to be the football fan and wants to be. You know, if they win something, I think it would be. You know, I think it would be. It would be a sort of crowning achievement for him in terms of owning the football club. Um, I would point out that he's done plenty in the past few years to actually deny the club the chance to, to, to do anything he's going because he, he's going because he fan, he likes the FA Cup he wants to win the FA you know he wants the club to win the FA Cup he put a massive bonus in the um, out for the team last year was it when they were going to you know they could potentially earn millions and millions for um, for winning the FA Cup so I think there's that element of him you know I always think there's, that's the biggest irony that I don't really understand is that if you know look he he sort of snuck out the back, didn't he? In the van, in a van. I think looking at the videos, he was not snuck out the back, but he, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't front and center. It wasn't like you know he was, and he was. People were ch- ch- chanting anti Ashley songs at him as well. If he'd have taken the club, you know, if he'd have done things the right way, um, he could have really enjoyed this. They could have, he could have had a great, you know, great time, not on the terraces, but he, you know, the fans would have been fantastic. It would have been, you know, it would have been brilliant. But because of the way that he's run the club, and because of the things that have happened in the last. 10, 11 years, he's, he's reduced the sort of, you know, w- what's happening. But that's why I think he's there. I think it doesn't look good for the takeover that he keeps going to the matches because it suggests to me that, he's, that, that nothing's close. We've certainly not heard anything to suggest that that's, that's going anywhere at the moment. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, I think that's why he's doing it. Um, I know there'll be a lot of the howls of derision from some people listening to this about the presence of Ashley there but I, I genuinely do think that he's he's quite enthusiastic about the FA Cup which was always the irony of like well why if you're that enthusiastic about it if you're that much of a fan about it um, take it seriously take you know I suppose to be fair to the club this year they they have taken it seriously um, we hammer them on things that they deserve to be hammered on and we've got to give them credit on things that they deserve credit on and the, the, the team selections for the Cup this season have been uh, spot on um, so John Cross of the Mirror, he tweeted this morning about Newcastle making in the quarterfinals. I just want to read you the tweet and get your response because it has got quite the response from Newcastle fans. So this is John Cross's tweet. Imagine if Rafa Benitez had got Newcastle to the quarterfinals. First time in uh, 14 years. Surely now Steve Bruce deserves a bit of credit. Not sure anyone outside of Newcastle quite understands why not. Uh, well, uh, well, for a start, I, I think the a lot of Newcastle fans were giving Steve Bruce credit last night. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of them. I, th- I think, I think the idea that Newcastle fans are totally unreasonable about Steve Bruce is 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 not is not fair. You know, from what I see, a lot of the objections to what's going on at the football club and, and the objections to Steve Bruce are 
are based on you know what they see in the pitch and what they've you know his record as a Premier League manager now you know it's difficult to to, to set up a counter argument against that unless he's getting results so when he gets when he gets a result last night a lot of people are like well fair play okay it was only West Brom's reserves but we've got to you know we've got to the quarterfinals brilliant and so I didn't see too much criticism of him last night the the whole imagine if it was Rafa Benitez thing yeah but it's it's like the old thing, isn't it, with Rafa? The reason that, that that Newcastle fans were so keen on Rafa was because they felt that he had something to build. He was building something. They were, the club were moving in the right direction. So, you know, he would Rafa Rafa did take them into the last eight of a of a major tournament, but of a major competition, by the way, because they did get into the last eight of the League Cup. Um, and I did think that Rafa's selection last season in the FA Cup and, and the way that he approached the the two games was uh, was not great, you know. And, and he did, and he did get some criticism for that as well, by the way. So I think, in terms of what John Cross is saying there, it people outside might think that it was oh, it's Rafa versus Steve Bruce. But ask yourself, and and this is no criticism of Steve Bruce, because he can't control what who he's followed. But they've gone from Rafa Benitez to Steve Bruce, and that's no criticism of Steve Bruce. But it's it's levels, isn't it? You know, it's a manager who. Um, you know, has got this garlanded CV and all these things, and then they've gone to somebody who was in the championship at the time. How many other Premier League teams would have would have appointed him? Well, you know, some some would, but maybe not. You know, maybe others would have looked would have looked elsewhere. So the, it's not unreasonable. I think what I do find unreasonable is there are there is a section of the support who will just not have anything to do with him and are quite, you know, like I think are quite disrespectful of, of Steve Bruce. And, and won't just won't you know even when he does well even when he he has a good result it's like oh well it's, you know like last night I just can't get on board with this thing of last night the, the amount of people and there wasn't too many but there was enough for me to get angry about it oh well we nearly lost it that's Steve Bruce for you you know what what a knacker he can't he can't but if you're going to give him stick for nearly losing the lead we'll give him some credit for the fact that they built a three 0 lead in the first place. What's the point? Why are you complaining about the fact that they've won the game? You know, okay, you can point out there's issues there. We all know there are issues there. There are issues with every Enjoy club. Enjoy the moments. There are issues with every club. Man City Man City have not played that well this season in spells. Liverpool are lo- Liverpool have lost three of the last four games, haven't they? Or two, th- yeah, three of the last four games. But they're fantastic. But clearly something's not right if you lose three of your last four games. Now, of course, they've been absolutely superb before. And Newcastle haven't been that good in the last six weeks. So I totally understand... Why, why a lot of people aren't necessarily would say the jury's out on Steve Bruce personally my take on it is I think that he's done a good job this season in a small in a, in a, in a window of what's his remit to stay up to try and get them on in the FA Cup uh, but longer term is he the right man to move them forward to maybe finish regularly in the top 8 top 10 top 8 the jury's still out and I don't think I'd seen until the last two games, much evidence of being able to change it and use the personnel that they've got, because they've got better players than than maybe they've sometimes given credit for. You know, some of the teams they've played this season where they haven't attacked, they've got better players in there. Um, so yeah, in terms of what John Cross is saying, I think he just needs to realise that the, the context of the club is it's not a question of Rafa Benitez was a hero for no reason. Maybe he, you know, maybe he. There were some people who just wouldn't hear a word against Rafa Benitez and won't hear a word for Steve Bruce, but not that many, a few, but some of them just acting up on Twitter anyway, you know, 
some of them probably don't think that way in real life, but they're acting up on Twitter because that's what you do on Twitter, isn't it? You make a big fuss, kick up a fuss, make yourself seen, and everybody talks about you, and it's... I think Mark's describing himself. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> a few few of us journalists on Twitter, uh, not not to mention any names, but a few, few of us on Twitter are the same, aren't we? Um, just before we, we go on to Southampton then, um, this weekend... Word for the fans travelled down more than 5,000 brilliant voice you can hear or watch the videos rather on our website there's plenty of them um, there to have a little look at BC5 Live were um, full of praise mm. I think many of the pundits were as well just brilliant as always and it, it shows the desire just for some sort of success let's get to a semi-final let's go to Wembley and let's enjoy the moment and if, if it ends in the semi-final then you know what for many that'll be just that little taste yeah, something you haven't had in so long. Yeah, although I've just checked the rotor and it turns out I'm at Centre Parks on the weekend, the Centre semi-final. So that might be a uh, uh, one where I've I've got to escape escape uh, Winfell Forest for the semi-final. <laughs> but in terms of the, in terms of the supporters, I think what's really been interesting this season is the way that um, for one or two set piece games, the fans have been brilliant and they've been really you know just unconditionally supportive of the team, which has been absolutely brilliant. You know, the home games we've seen this season, the atmosphere hasn't been as good. They've had to give away 10,000 season, half-season tickets, which is incredible. But like you said, last night just shows that yearning for something. You know, that's what Newcastle could have every week if they did things the right way, if they'd tapped into that enthusiasm and that support that they've got. Um, but I tell you what, you, you imagine if it... What, whoever the draw is on t- tonight there's going to be some demand for tickets for that game. Um, and then if it's get to a semi-final, I mean, you know, 40,000 will be, well, it'll be about 30,000, won't it, your allocation for, for Wembley. And um, there'll be some scramble for tickets for that one. And there'll be there'll be a lot of people. And this is the sad thing is there'll be a lot of people who've given away loyalty points by giving up on their season tickets. who have given up lots of loyalty points. You've probably dreamt of that get, day. Yeah. Of that day and they will have felt as a point of principle and to protest against the way the clubs run, that they probably won't get a ticket now. And that is a crying shame because they are some of the most loyal supporters that the club has. I suppose that's going to test a lot of people, like you say, who've given up on principle, not going because they're not happy with the owner, understandably. But then if it's a quarter-final draw, and then if it's a semi-final draw, a lot of people, you know, their reasons for not going, it's, it's going to be tested. And it's a position that, I, you know... I wouldn't want to be in. I, I wouldn't know what to do at that stage. Uh, and I feel for those fans. I really feel for those fans. You saw a lot of people last night on Twitter looking at it and, and who've been very vocal. But what I, li- what I like about a lot of those people who've boycotted, and this shows their love for the club. I say some of them are just making a point of being so anti-everything that happens with Newcastle United. But you see a lot of them. I follow a fair few of them who've given up their season tickets. And they were as happy last night as anybody else because they're proper supporters. They're true supporters. They aren't people who are, you know, making a point or, you know, they're not, they're, a lot of them aren't people who are, wouldn't have had a ticket anyway. Do you know what I mean? So there's some of the, some people who, who are really, it's very easy to be very, to say I would, I'm boycotting the club because you work, you couldn't go anyway because you're overseas or you don't go that much. I'm not saying that they're not true supporters as well, because of course they are, but it's, I think, harder to make that decision when you've been going every week for 20, 30 years or whatever with your family and all that. If you've made a decision to stay away and I think, that has had an impact. It has had an impact on the way that the club do things. They've had to give away 10,000 tickets because it was a a festering sore on that football club that there were so many empty seats. 
it was a bad look for that football club and they've they've they did something about it by giving away these free season tickets which ironically I think will make the will only entrench that support but I feel so so sorry for them because they are proper supporters and they should have the day out of Wembley they should be the, they should be the people that have that day out of Wembley and in some ways I think probably when the dust settles off this run it'll probably only make them feel even more angry towards Mike Ashley that he's forced them into that situation where they had to make a decision the club will say well, you didn't have to make a decision you know you could have stayed with us supports for sporting but at I just feel sorry for them, you know. I feel that this is a club that should fans should be able to be unconditionally positive about Newcastle United. I don't think they've been able to be that way for a long time. Um, but I'm sure there'll be thirty thousand Wembley, and there'll be a massive, there'll be a big screen up in Times Square, and it will be that if they get to the semi final, that this plate, this city will go crackers, and it will for a quarter final if it's at home, by the way, as well. Um, so yeah I think you know it's going to be a massive massive moment but they've got two important league games before they certainly have and it'll be on our live blog of course yes well <laughs> the good thing the good thing about our live blog is what I really like is that people people clearly are second screening aren't they because they they like reading our live blog yeah. while they're also watching the match because it's really good because our coverage is really good we had that discussion with Kieran on, a, on Saturday Against against Burnley, just asking that. Yeah, I wonder how it works for people at home, whether they are listening to the radio and following our blog at the same time for a bit yeah. of extra analysis. Um, yeah. Well, we put the pictures in there. We got all that all that extra stuff, haven't we? And and you know the numbers are really good. Sixty thousand, sixty three thousand page views last night for the live blog. More than we get for the league games generally, midweek league games. Which shows so, the appetite, doesn't it? For massively for that massively. run. Um, just before Southampton, you mentioned there ten thousand season tickets, and this is something we'll get on to towards the end of the season and during the summer what happens next because them half season tickets are only until the end of the season and then suddenly a vacuum is going to open isn't it? because then you're going to have 10,000 seats again up for grabs are people going to go because I suppose the question is and again this is this is depending on them for instance winning the FA Cup it, but it's only winning the FA Cup it's what happens in that summer what, mm. it's what it comes next it's all dependent on the summer isn't it yeah, I, I, I absolutely. And, and what I think what has to happen next is the club have to make some sort of, um, they have to make a case to people to how to get to how to come back. Now, I think what they've decided to do this summer is to say to stop trying to fight. Or I think they made the decision a while ago was to to look at the people who don't who are very vocal about how much they dislike Mike Ashley and think we can't win them back as long as the owners here we can't win them back. We'll try and appeal to a new set of fans or the people who maybe can't afford to come to the games. Maybe that's what the 10,000 season ticket thing was about, was about trying to, you know, say to people who maybe, you know, uh, either can't afford it or, uh, you know, friends and family, that they're trying to get them on board, I think, is what, that was the, the, the way that they looked at it and it was a reward for those fans who were still there. But I don't think you're going to get too many of the boycotters going back. I think you're going to get some more people um, leaving because it's not been a fantastic season season that way if they win the FA Cup you might say look you know then all bets are off but I, I still think it's an unlikely that they're going to win the FA Cup isn't it with the team still left in it it's it's a big summer it's a really really big summer Newcastle will look to make signings in order to convince people to come back that will be what they'll do um, that's what they did in the summer They'll try and spend big on one on two or three players, and they'll say we are. You know, they'll do what they did before the start of last season, which is um, 
say, look, we've, we've built a team that we think is going to be more entertaining, better, and, and it's going to have a go and it'll be up to fans to decide. But I, I just don't think as long as the owner's involved and as long as they're not, as long as they're not doing the things that these the fans are staying away from, so the idea of sort of investing in the training ground, infrastructure, um, doing things properly. So, you know, like re, like the fundamentals that they were kind of criticised for. If they're not doing that, a lot of fans will say, "Well, we don't believe that you want the best for the club." And you know, there's obviously all the all the stuff with takeover as well. Is that going to change things? It could do. But I don't think, I think in the summer it will be a question, it will be a case of we'll try and get people back on board by signing players and making the team better. That'll be what they'll do. Certainly going to be an interest in some of them. We've got the accounts coming up, of course. Well, sorry, we've got the accounts coming up in April. And if tradition is anything to go by, I think Lee Charning will probably do some interviews then as well. So it'll be interesting to see what he says. It certainly will. Um, Southampton then lost 3 1 to West Ham over the weekend. Uh, their manager called their defending an absolute joke, which will give hope, you know, to Newcastle United fans travelling down to St Mary's that maybe Joe Linton can find that goal that he's been lacking, or Dwight Gale, whoever starts up top. Um, now, Southampton have won four of their eight games in 2020, but the run of form recently isn't overly brilliant. So, look, this is a team around Newcastle. We know the records against them teams has not been brilliant this season. But these are the games that Newcastle need to start picking up points. Yeah. It wins. You know, drawn against Norwich, drawn against Burnley. It's not good enough, is no. it? You need to start beating the sides around you. St Mary's in the spring has been a bit of a graveyard for Newcastle managers as well. Like McLaren had an absolute... Uh, sorry, um, Pardew had two absolute shockers there. I think 4-0, wasn't it, one of them? Benitez had a shocker in the season that Newcastle went down. Um, there was that, that game where Carver, I think, uh, was sort of got into an altercation with a fan as well. It, it was a really, you know, really not very pleasant place that Newcastle went went for for a few years. I think that if they go there with a different attitude and they go there to, to maybe try and play a bit of football, it could be an open game. Um, and, and that might, you know, that'll be slightly different. I think Southampton will be looking at Newcastle and thinking, are they a different proposition from what we thought they would be three or four weeks ago? They've got to win. They've got to win this game. Man for man, you'd say Southampton no better than Newcastle probably on about the same level in terms of man for man um, they've got a very good striker in Danny Ings who scores a lot of goals Shane Long usually is quite effective against Newcastle as well isn't he that, that, that's a you know, that, that's a combination I think that, that's caused Newcastle problems in the past what I would say is that this is a game that they've got to win like you said they've, they've got so they've got this one and then they've got Sheffield United at home isn't it and then the um, the quarter final the quarter final You'd want them to pick up at least three points from the next two games, at least. Just looking back at Hussan's quotes there, one thing that stands out, because I don't think you can say this about the Newcastle United team, um, it's about fight. And he says the opponent, that's West Ham, had showed that they want to fight for everything and we didn't seem to be serious enough. I think one thing you cannot throw down at Newcastle's feet is the lack of fight. It's no. been there for many seasons. It's still there. You know, um, Lascelles is the leader. Richie won't let the standards drop. Yeah. So if that's the case this weekend, and it is, it comes down to who wants it more. Newcastle. You'd hope so. Yeah, you'd hope so. And, and I think Wednesday will have given them a lot of confidence. You know, as opposed to I think in the in the camp, they felt like some of the criticism, some of the coverage has been over the top. 
they felt actually we haven't been that bad in these games. You know, they'll point to 45 good minutes against Arsenal. Um, Palace was was very tight. You know, I don't think they played very well in that game. But you know, they'd say that happens in the Premier League, and then they'd say they'd actually say we deserve to win against Norwich. Uh, sorry, against Burnley, uh, and then won, won yesterday. So the Newcastle, I don't think there's any lack of belief in the in the camp at Newcastle. I think that you know they don't feel like they're in a relegation season if it doesn't to them it doesn't feel like a relegation season um and it's up to them to go and, to prove it now you know but the mood from around the the ground and the mood sorry from around the training ground and from around the squad is you know the, the, the it's a bit of hysteria around bad form because they're like you know look we we we're picking up points um you know we, we're not losing we're not losing the games at home so we'll we'll be okay and we're doing well in the cup so uh, you know what's all the fuss about any changes because obviously Matt Ritchie was on the yeah. bench uh, yesterday would you see him coming back in for anybody uh, Lazaro <laughs> dropping out yeah, this, well this... Rose is the one who maybe with Ritchie isn't it and, and I mean you know Rose is, I think he did okay yesterday again but he's not been brilliant has he? he's not been he's, quite he's lacked that much sharpness but a lot of people have said he looked, he looked a little bit you know as if he's not quite as um you know, not, he's not quite as in condition as, as you know he, he would have been, but that was probably because he's not playing a lot of games. Yeah. Same with Nabil Bentaleb, isn't it? You know, not played a lot of games in the last uh, few months. So, but you, you, would you see the, a similar start in eleven to the one that played against Burnley? Yeah, I would. I would. I would. I think Lazaro will play. Um, I think some Maxim will probably come in as well. Um, but it might be in Shelby probably as well. But those would be the three changes along with Dubravka in goal as well. Those would be the four changes that I would think, which obviously is almost half a team. But the same system, uh, most of the players who played well on Tuesday will probably play as well. So you're saying Shelby, Hayden in the centre? I think Shelby and Hayden probably, uh, because yeah, because there's long staff, Bentaleb um, partnership didn't do too well. I think the front three will probably be very similar. Um, he might bring Gale back in, but having seen the way the three played on Wednesday, he probably won't. And Jolinton just seems to be the marathon man, doesn't he? He seems to play him every week, whatever. Um, the back four might change a little bit as well, might it? Um, the cells. Uh, I mean, Cher did okay last night, didn't he, really? Uh, but it could be Fernandez, I think, probably back in. And then, um, yeah, and then Manquillo and either Rose or Richie, probably. Um, so decent, you know, not a bad team, that. Not far away from their strongest. Um if you get Carroll back in the mix, I think there was some talk that he might be available on Saturday. I, don't, I think it's going to come too soon for him. And it might be sort of Sheffield United or the cup quarter-final that you'll be looking at. You could just imagine, couldn't he? Comes back, he comes back to the squad. Final five minutes, quarter-final. Well, Castle need a goal. Heads home into the semis. Well, he has scored in a semi-final, in an FA Cup semi-final, hasn't he? Uh, for Liverpool against Everton. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you on that knowledge. Pretty sure he has. Pretty sure he has. He was... That was the season that Newcastle finished fifth. And yeah, and basically that that goal meant that Everton couldn't get to the final, so therefore they couldn't uh, they couldn't get into Europe, wasn't it? And so Newcastle were definitely in Europe. That's the interesting thing, isn't it as well? If they play in the FA Cup final, if they get to the FA Cup final and they're playing one of the big teams who are already in Europe, that means they're in the Europa League as well, isn't it? Potentially be 180 minutes away from the Europa League win, lose or draw in the final win or lose in the final it's interesting isn't it typical Newcastle United but we have to concentrate first on Southampton see when Newcastle get in the draw tonight and make sure that they can get through um, well Sheffield United first we're obviously we'll have a podcast for them in that quarter final but thank you very much for joining us Mark um, 
Yes, and please remember to like and subscribe. Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts.